All right, we are going to finish Acts chapter 16. If you'll open your Bibles there, the text has already been read. It's a long passage, so we had the worship team read it to you. So we're going to we're going to dig into that in just a second, but I want you to have your Bibles out and have your whatever it is, iPhones or whatever you brought your prayer journal so you can fact check me as we're going along. Mark Driscoll was a great preacher out in Seattle. And Mark Driscoll made this statement that is so powerful. He said, you and I did not invent Christianity. You and I cannot redefine Christianity. And you and I have no right to edit Christianity. All right, now listen to that. That's another way of saying the Bible is the word of God. And you and I have no right to mess with it. In fact, in Revelation 22, it says, Jesus said... If you mess with the word of God, if you take anything out or you add anything to it, he said, I'll bring on you the plagues that are in this book. And you know what dumb people ask me every time I share that? The plagues of Revelation are all the plagues in the Bible. Does it really matter? How many plagues would you like? That's why it's so important as a church. That we hold true to the word of God. That we're not beholden to any group that's out there. I'm not worried about what you think, what I think, what anybody else thinks. We have a commitment to the word of God. If the Bible is indeed the word of God, and it is, it is flawless, it is inerrant, and it is inspired from beginning to end. And if that's true, then you and I have no right to edit it whatsoever. Can I get an amen? All right. I'd just like to let you know where I'm coming from before we get started. Now, every time, every time I travel, I have certain things that I have to take. I've, you know, you've got your medicines, you've got the, but I've got a bag that has these converters in it. All right. How many, you know what I'm talking about? The, the electric converters. All right. And it doesn't matter how many times I go somewhere. I have 16 of Australia. I'm not going to Australia, but I have 16 of those and I can never find the converter for the country that I'm going to. So I buy a new package. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So I got a drawer full of these converters. So if you guys are going to Australia, let me know. I got you. Okay. Um, But I I got to thinking about why, wouldn't it have been easier if we'd have just all had one electric grid? Wouldn't that have made life easier? So I did some research and I, I found out that even America and England, you know, you, the word different, you can't use the same plugs. You go to the United Kingdom, you can't. Been that way since 1776. That would be when we revolted. <clears throat> I'm sorry, that was a shocking abuse of power. If you're new, it doesn't get any better. Welcome. <clears throat> okay. So here's the story. So Paul is in this Roman capital city, Philippi. In your Bibles, there's a, a letter written to the Philippian church. And uh, <clears throat> it's the Philippian church started out of the encounter that we're going to look at here today. Uh, in this Roman colony, Paul is preaching. And as he goes around preaching, there's this woman that's following him around that has a demon. 
And she walks around day after day mocking Paul and Silas. She's got this evil spirit and she says, you are, the, you are men of the most high God. Now don't hear it like that because that's not how it was being said. This is a demon. These are men of the most high God. These are the men of the most high God. It's a mockery going on day after day after day. See, Satan knows who God is. Satan's very aware of who Jesus is. He just refuses to bow his knee to him. That's the question about you, with you and I. You can say, I know there's a God, I know there's a Jesus, but are you willing to surrender your life to him? But after several days of this, Paul's been praying about it. I'm sure he's been praying about it. You know, God, what am I allowed to do in this situation? And finally, he's been prayed up and he turns around and he just says, Spirit, you get out of her in the name of Jesus. So he casts the demon out. Well, this upsets the owners because this lady had the power of seeing into the future. So she's telling people how to bet on the horses ahead of time. And they're losing a lot of money uh, because they've, she's lost this demonic power. So all kinds of craziness ensues in this city. Paul and Silas get stripped publicly. They get beaten. In fact, the word says they get beaten severely. Then they take them to a prison. They take them to the inner part of the prison. And they throw them in and they shackle them to the wall. Now, they're probably unconscious by this point. But let's back up. Let's talk about this persecution thing. See, we are the only place in the world currently that Christians are not being persecuted. They're arresting Christians in Canada. They're arresting pastors in Canada. There's always been problems in Mexico. We're the last bastion. We are the last bastion of freedom. Now, our persecution right now is a little bit different. Primarily, it's, it's mockery. Uh, from the intellectual elite, they'll make fun of you for being dumb enough to believe in Adam and Eve or dumb enough to believe in Noah or dumb enough to believe in a resurrection or wh whatever the story might be. Uh, you may be denied a promotion. You may not be able to get a Ph.D. in certain fields because you believe in the Bible or because you are a Christian. There are places where that is a reality. But persecution the way it was going down in the first century not really but what i find interesting is that christians in america are so weak because of the false teachings that you've been listening to see when you hear these preachers tell you when you become a christian all your problems are going to go away you'll have gold rings you'll have Rolls Royce, you'll have an airplane, everything will be perfect for you. The fact is the only people that get all that are the guys talking. It's not Christianity. That's no Christianity that Paul knew. That's no Christianity that Jesus talked about. That has nothing to do with biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity always expected persecution because Paul makes it very clear uh, when we look at, no, John, not Paul, John, John says in chapter 15, he says, this is Jesus, if you belong to the world, it would love you. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. This is why the world hates you. 
Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obey my teaching, they will obey yours also. So what do we expect as Christians? We better toughen up. We can expect to be persecuted. We can expect that there's times that things are not going to go our way simply because we're Christ followers. And rather than curl up into a ball, we ought to understand that it's a sign of respect. Because if the world loves you, you're not a Christian. I didn't say it. Jesus did. Jesus said, if you're following me, the world is going to hate you. Now, let's talk about a couple of those topics that cause us to get ourselves into trouble. All right. How about, how about the, the big one right now? How about gender, homosexuality, homosexual marriage? And, and I see these clowns on Facebook. Jesus said nothing about any of these topics. I'm going to show you how good Jesus was. Because Jesus is looking 2,000 years down the road and he will nail everything with one sentence, all right? This is Mark 10, 6. Look at this verse. At the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. <laughs> one sentence, God exists. One sentence, God's the creator. It wasn't evolution. Uh, marriage, yeah, oh yeah, male and female. You want to know how he feels about homosexuality? Male and female. Uh, gender, two. I watched an interview the other night, and they were asking they were asking this student, "How many genders are there?" And she said, "Oh, I mean, at least thousands. I mean, the list goes on and on." And the guy doing the interview said, "Well, in third grade biology, I learned that there are two genders: male and female." And she said, well, yeah, that's good for third grade. But when you get into the university, you learn a whole lot more about science. Yeah. One of my favorite stories is evolutionists said that they finally concluded that there was a first man and a first woman. And they, they'll, they'll, they, call, they put it in quotes and they'll say, an Adam and an Eve. Because they certainly don't. And they'll say, now you need to understand this first man and this first woman had nothing to do with the Bible. And the one thing we know for sure, this is the greatest science line I've ever heard. The one thing we know for sure is that that first Adam and that first Eve never knew each other. <laughs> now I'm, listen, biology was not my strong suit. And no, I am not a biologist, but I am telling you that system won't work very long. I'm just, I'm just going to tell you that. Listen, we're going to get beat up because of this kind of stuff. It's okay. It's okay. And listen, you don't have to be obnoxious. Just tell the truth. Just say, no, I lived on a farm and uh, I can tell you there's male and female. And that's it. You know, it's, it's really... It's really, it's really that simple. But, but listen, the lies have been there from the beginning. Genesis 3 verse 4. Satan came to Eve, and when Satan came to Eve, he did not say, do this, break this law, break this, break this, break this. What he did was get Eve to question the word of God. The same battle you're dealing with right now. Can I trust the Bible when it talks about marriage, when it talks about gender, when it talks about salvation, when it talks about creation? You know what? 
You know what Satan said? Eve, I don't care what God said, you won't really die. That was the first thing he said. To convince her not to trust the word of God. You know what's being said today by the physicists that are out there? You're not going to die. You're just going to cease to exist. You will live and one day you will go into the ground and that's it. Because if you die, there is the idea that there must be a heaven and a hell. There is something beyond this world. So the same lie that Satan was telling 6,000 years ago to Eve is the same lie that's being told today. Listen, we're going to face persecution. It's not always going to be fun. Now, I'm going to show you a picture. Now, if there's children in the room, this is your warning. Please cover up your children's eyes. This picture I'm going to show you is not for children, okay? If you're an adult, you just need to man up, all right? This, this is what it cost Jesus for our salvation. No movie picture can truly imitate that, the price that was paid. When you have communion, that's what you're remembering. That's the price that was paid. That's what persecution looks like. Now, Jesus said, if they treated that me that way, how can you expect to be treated if you follow me? So then, on the cross, we know that, <clears throat> that Jesus was abandoned. At one point, he cries out a passage that's in Psalm 22. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'm guessing everybody in this room knows that feeling. Feeling of being abandoned, being lost. Maybe you're sitting here today or you're watching right now. And you're empty because a spouse has walked away or because a friend has walked away or because grief is consuming you or because of some diagnosis you've got or your best friend just betrayed you. And you are alone and abandoned. I think that's how you could best describe Paul and Silas's situation. Now, that picture I showed you of Jesus, that's what Paul and Silas would have looked like. Because they were stripped naked and they were beaten severely. And they're in a Roman colony. So their beating would have been very much like Jesus. <clears throat> then they're inside the prison. It's, you know, it's too bad that history doesn't help us with some of this, right? I always tell you, you can trust your Bible. If you go to Philippi today, Take you right to the prison. It looks like this. You can go inside the prison. That's where Paul was at. We got everything but Paul's fingerprints. And probably the Vatican has those. But it's all there. It's not like any of this has to be made up. If, if you're questioning your Bible, just do a little bit of research because it's all out there. So they're inside... And about midnight, this is my theory, about midnight, they came back to consciousness. Because they were beat severely. All right? There's blood everywhere. I don't know if bones are broken. I don't know what's happened. They're hungry. They're exhausted. Uh, they, they, they've been, all, all this, they get thrown into this dungeon. And at midnight, the other prisoners get, get awakened by what? Come on. Paul and Silas are singing. They're singing. Now, there's nothing to tell Paul that he's not going to die tonight. 
There's nothing to tell Paul he's not going to die in the morning. He doesn't know how this is going to play out. But they begin to sing and pray. And this began to change the other guys in the room. And then the earthquake came. All right. Now, unfortunately, this doesn't happen every time we pray and sing. But there was an earthquake. Jail breaks open. The Roman guard knows I'm dead. They're going to execute me because these guys got away. So he runs with lights and he's ready to kill himself. And Paul said, don't do it, man. We're all here. What? The next phrase is the interesting one. Of all the things that that jailer might have said, all right, put yourself there. What happened? Earthquake. Why didn't you guys run? You were free. The, the gates open. You could have got out of here. Why are you singing? He doesn't say any of that. He asked one question. You might want to highlight it in your Bible. Sirs, what must we do to be saved? His first question was spiritual. Because he knew Paul had been teaching. And now all these events have unfolded. Paul's in his prison. He hears Paul singing. Then the earthquake happens. His first question, his only question, how must I be saved? Smart man. And it said, Paul began to teach. They took him, they took Paul and Silas down to the river. They washed all their wounds. And then the jailer and his whole family were baptized. Beginning of that church in Philippi comes out of this event right here. And then, they, they, through a series of events, we don't have time to go through, but through a series of events, they let them go. And where do Paul and Silas go? Huh? Back to Lydia's house. Told you this would be a big deal. Back to Lydia's house, they tell the story of all that's happened and how the earthquake happened and the jailer accepting Christ and his family and... Then Paul and Silas leave. But I wonder if you and I don't feel kind of like Paul and Silas at times, that we feel abandoned, we feel beaten up, we feel alone. Sometimes God has to let you get to that spot so you got nothing left but the two of you. Sometimes that is reality. So you have to, God, you're all I've got left. You and I are going to have to do work here. But I want to give you some advice. Some of the best advice I think... I can give you, and that is to keep singing. I'm backstage last night and today, and I'm singing with you guys, and it's, it is just, I mean, worship is just, you can feel the worship. It's pretty amazing with all the people singing praises to God, and there is power when you sing. That's why if you're watching out there, I'm glad you're watching, but if you can get here in person, as much as possible. And if you're here and you're not singing, man, you're missing it. Because something happens psychologically to you and to me when we sing. It's us proclaiming our faith. It's salvation coming out of our mouths. I mean, Paul knew the words. He could have just sat there and run them through his mind. But he didn't. He sang out loud. Maybe for Silas's benefit. Maybe for the prisoner's benefit. Maybe for the jailer's benefit. But when you're going through a storm, if you will keep singing praises, it will help you through that time of loneliness and abandonment. 
In Psalms, it says that God is close to the brokenhearted. I don't think Paul would qualify for that at this point. And maybe that's where you find yourself. And I'm telling you, keep singing. Keep singing. Keep praying. Don't ever stop because God inhabits the praise of his people. What does that phrase mean? It means that God lives inside the praise of his people. Let me tell you one more quick thing about the greatness of God. Um, you ever heard of the tiger moth? Here's a picture. You probably were studying it this morning. But the tiger moth, the tiger moth is, a, is an interesting animal. Um, again, in God's plan of creation. So the, the tiger moth has one major enemy. And it is a bat. The bat loves to eat these things. Okay? And the bat is equipped with its own radar. The bat, the bat has a very similar technology to our um, invisible planes that fly today. Uh, we stole a lot of the technology from the bat, if you didn't know that. In fact, the plane, uh, the stealth fighter looks like a bat, doesn't it? it just, just, we pretty much stole the whole design from God. Um, but the bat has built-in radar so he can find his prey. The tiger moth is the only animal on earth that has a built-in radar deflector. Look it up. It's amazing what evolution does, isn't it? I should build a way to deflect the radar. Just trying to give you some facts. All right? God's... God's pretty amazing. But when you're going through those feelings of abandonment and being alone, and listen, some of my best role models spent time in jail. So maybe you've been there physically, but I'll tell you what, here's, here's a list, a few of them, that spent some time in jail. And they drew closer to God even while they were in that position. But then at the end, we get to the miracles and the salvation. All right, we'll, we'll get through this quickly. Maybe the saddest verse in the Bible is Revelation 20, verse 15. It says that those who did not believe were thrown into the lake of fire. Now, if you don't believe in heaven and hell, that verse may not scare you. But I'd do some research about the other things to see if God's been true with the rest of his word. And if he has, I'd pay real close attention to that one because it's a very, very powerful verse. Listen, the name of Jesus is what that jailer needed. When he came out, he said, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you and your family, and you can all be saved. And that very night, middle of night, because it happened at midnight, right? So they didn't wait. Midnight, they go down to the river, clean, clean up Paul, wash off the blood, and then Paul baptizes all of them. Today at 6 o'clock at Andy Romano Park, you, your family, if you've accepted Jesus, maybe you have, you haven't, you need to accept Jesus, you haven't been baptized, 6 o'clock at Andy Romano Park. We'll have counselors over here uh, at the end of the service online. You hit the button, uh, I've decided, and uh, J Pastor John will help you. Perhaps you're just in that lonely camp. You feel abandoned. You feel lonely. Uh, I, listen, I've been there the last few weeks with my dad dying. These, this is an experience that I've walked through with hundreds of other people. But when it's your dad, it's a whole different deal. 
and processing those emotions and the, the, alone, the alone time and realizing that there's some things that nobody can do for you. It's just you and God. And you've got to walk through that. If you need somebody to pray with you and help you, that group will be over here uh, on this side of the stage. Uh, but I want to finish with this story. Uh, this is a story of a quarterback named Chase Daniels. Um, Chase Daniels, University of Missouri grad. Um, I, I actually saw him one of his last games. We beat Nebraska. Now, you have to understand, Missouri's beat Nebraska once in like 400 years. All right? So, like before, before the country revolted even, we were losing to Nebraska. Okay? I'm just, just telling you. So Missouri got smart and they said, you know what? The best thing we could do is join the SEC. We can't beat Nebraska. So let's get in a conference where we have to play Alabama, Auburn, Florida, and Georgia all the time. Things, things are really going to work out well for us. Uh, they didn't ask my opinion. Um, but anyway, let me tell you about Chase Daniels. Chase Daniels was a, a star quarterback, did an incredible job at Missouri, and got drafted in the NFL. Chase has been an NFL quarterback for 13 years. He's played in five games in 13 years. He's made $41 million. He is passing yardage, six yards per game. Only been in five games. He's ranked the 62nd worst quarterback ever. He's made $41 million. I'm thinking, Chase, you are the man. No six foot eight guy coming at you and running you over like a buffalo stampede. No, you're just sitting on the side, got a little chart over there, you know, probably working on his 401k and, you know. But he keeps getting signed. He keeps going from team to team and he's just there to back things up in case somebody needs him. Plays a couple of snaps a year and that's it. Now, kind of reminds me of us. I look around this room and everybody in this room, we've got some decent talent. There's some things about us that you'd go, yeah, yeah. And this guy's okay. This lady's all right. But not quite good enough, are we? And when it comes to God, we just don't measure up. But it's amazing how God takes people that sit on the bench, that just aren't the heroes of this world. They're just not, never going to be the big top executives at anything. We're just average people with a little bit of talent. And God said, if you'll turn that over to me, I will change the world and I will change eternity by using your lives. And he gives us something far better than $41 million. He gives us heaven as a bonus. Let's pray. God, I, I pray that we would grab a hold of this. We know that um, we all have to face persecution in some form. But I pray that we get ourselves prepared for tougher days. That we will learn to stand and stand with love and grace, but still stand for the truth. Never backing away from the word of God. And Lord, when things get at their toughest, which for some in this room are right there right now, that we'll always keep singing. We'll keep singing because we know there's a way out of here. And we'll trust your hand for the outcome. We'll trust you for whose lives you're changing through us as they watch us. 
And perhaps our lives will be the testimony that ends up bringing somebody else to Jesus because we survived some nightmare in our own lives. But Lord, I pray that those who need you today, whether they need prayer because they're in a hole, they're abandoned, they're lonely, they're broken, or whether they need to accept you, Jesus, that this would be the day of salvation. In Jesus' name.